Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. May 20th, set on your calendar, we should be good to go. Okay, so last night when, when Aaron was, was reaching out to me, he shot me over some of his notes and he told me what he was preaching through, and it was James. I love James. I love James. I love James verse by verse, and that's actually what he was doing this morning. So, so I felt like, okay, I might be able to swing this. Um, if, if you haven't read James, you need to read James. If you've read James, you need to read James again. And if you've read it again, you need to read it again. So, so James is, is a, a phenomenal letter by not the, not the apostle James, but by Jesus' brother James. So before Jesus was resurrected, James wasn't really too big on Jesus. And, and you could totally understand, you know, the older sibling rivalry, like James is saying about Jesus. Oh, he thinks he's God, he's all that. James didn't much care for Jesus. However, after the resurrection, his life was transformed just like our lives are transformed, that before we knew Jesus, we probably didn't really have a thing going for Jesus. Um, That's where James was. And then James transformed and and became a believer in his brother, the Son of God, and and his life was changed. And and his life was changed so much that they ended up writing this letter. And this letter is a a gut buster that that James, James goes through and and pulls no punches, that, that they kind of look, him as, look at his letter as the Proverbs of the New Testament, that there is just chunk after chunk after chunk that, if, that, that you can sit on, chew on, and, and have impact your life, that, that if you, you look at his words and truly reflect on how it is that you're walking, living, acting, talking, speaking, doing life with God and with others, this can, this can have a significant impact on it. And, and that's what we're hoping to see, that... Uh, that, that the impact of this message series um, has, has that kind of change on you, that, that you look at your life from a different perspective, from the perspective that God desires to have for us, not the, the perspective that I desire to have for you, but the perspective that God desires to have for you. So let's just jump right into, into his letter. So we're looking at uh, the first chapter of James, right off the bat, James 1 and 2. <clears throat> James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. So it starts off really nice, right? It's just like a, a warm welcome. This is who I am. This is who I'm writing to. Hey guys, how's it going? And, and you think, okay, so this is, this is going in the right direction. So James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's, that's like the encouraging opener right there, ain't it? That, uh, you know, what? Take heart, everyone. Your life sucks, but you can be happy in it. Find joy in it. You're, you're, you're suffering right now. Joy, joy, joy. That, that this is the message of encouragement that James is bringing to, to the people. That joy can be found in the trials of life. So raise your hand if, if your reality is that right now you're going through some trials. Raise your hand if you're going through trials. Raise your hand if the trials you're going through is sitting right next to you. <laughs> across. That will, that will take across. It's a slightly different issue. However, what, what I want to get across is that, that most of us are going through trials. We're having some issues. 
And if you're not going through them, you're getting ready to go through them again. That, that I don't think any of us can, could comfortably, honestly, humbly say, nope, life is awesome, I got it all down, it's all good. That, that there, there's some trial that we're going through. There's something in our life that is, that is painful, that, 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 is, that is hurting, that, that we're walking through these difficult issues, and we might even be like really frustrated with God as to why, you know, what's, what's going on here? Why, why is this happening? I don't understand. What, why is my life hurting as it is. And there's a simple principle that, that I think uh, we tend not to get, and that is that God is more concerned with our character than our comfort. God is more concerned with our character than our comfort. God, God is our Father, and it's his desire that, that we grow to full maturity, to, to reach our full potential, and, and he's going to allow some pain into our lives because there's something that he's trying to accomplish, and it's through that pain that it's going to happen. So, so James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. That's not if you face trials of many kind. He's saying whenever. It's going to happen. Um, but w- why should this be something that brings us joy? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Trials, these trials are tests. Consider the trial pure joy that the, these, these painful moments are going to test your faith. Because tests are kind of important. So, so who's, who's got kids in school right now? Elementary school, high school? So this is, this is the time of year where it's testing, right? Everybody's testing. But there's air tests. It's, it's test after test after test. They've still got like three weeks left of school, but the last test will be Monday, and then I don't know what they do the last three weeks. But, but, but that testing is important. That testing is an opportunity for the teachers to see what they've taken in that if they've mastered the concept, they want, they want to know how well the kids learn and, 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 and what they're grasping, that, that it reveals to them what, what, they've, what they've learned over this last semester. And this is sort of what God is doing with us, but he already knows. He, he knows what we've learned. He knows where we are. But he wants us to know where we are. He, want, he wants us to understand the lessons that that, that he's going to allow this testing in our life, not so that he can go, oh, yeah, Shanda's doing pretty good here. I'm glad that she showed me that. He knows. He, he wants us to know. He's not, res- he's not surprised at our response, but he wants to reveal to us where our character needs to be developed. That's what these tests are for. Proverbs 17.3 says, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the, the Lord tests the heart. What's the key in a, in a crucible and a furnace? What's, what's the similar thing there? It's hot. It's really hot. It's hot enough that it burns away the impurities of the silver and gold, that, that the, the furnace and the crucible are, are at such high temperature that it's getting rid of all the crap that's in there and leaving the pure metal on the, on the backside. And this is the way that God tests our heart. This is the way the Lord tests our heart, that, that he's going to put us in painful situations, in pressure-filled situations, so that, so that we have this opportunity to respond in a way that, that all the crap in our lives goes by the wayside. That we get the opportunity to see in that pain-filled, pressure-filled moment where it is that, that we need to grow, what steps that we need to take, what are the opportunities for, for our spirit to, to mature. And you can look at different situations that you get stressed out at. Where do we get stressed out at? Work. So how do you respond to your coworkers? How do you respond to your boss? Who gets stressed out at home? 
How do we respond to our spouses? How do we respond to our punk kids? Mine's sitting right there. But financially, that, we're, that some of us have significant pain in our finances and, and, and God's allowing that pain in there so that we can understand better how it is that we're supposed to respond to these issues. And, and how, is it, do you, how, how do you respond? Do you respond in a godly way or do you respond in, in your own personal way? That, that these pain-filled moments, these stress-filled opportunities uh, offer up an opportunity. James 1.3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. These tests have a purpose. These tests, we have a purpose. The reason that we count trials as joy is that these tests are serving a purpose. They're producing something in us. Perseverance. Perseverance, steadfastness, endurance. That that these are opportunities for us to to get a workout. So so Ryan Harris, if you didn't see on Facebook, that, that Ryan Harris ran a half marathon yesterday. I'm tired just thinking about running a half marathon. I don't even have to show up. I have got no endurance for that whatsoever. However, he has put in some effort. He has put in some work, some focus that, that allowed him to get to a place where, where, where he could take that test and see how his perseverance was working out. And if you were to talk to him today, you would hear that he is hurting. His legs hurt, his feet hurt, the, the dude's in pain. He completed it. He passed that test, but, but physically, he's still, he's still paying for it. And yet, if he continues on that, through that perseverance and endurance of training, it'll get easier for him. He'll be a better runner. He'll, he'll finish it. He'll finish that race a little bit better. This is what, if we look at it properly, the, pers- the right perspective, this is what these tests and trials in our lives will do. That we can look at it from me starting at the, at the starting line of the marathon, and I take my first 10 steps, and I'm done. I'm tapping out. I don't care. I'm out. Or we can look at it like Ryan did, to, to put in the work so that when, when the gun gets shot, he makes the run. There's a purpose here. James 1.4 says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Producing maturity and completion is what, what God is looking for in our lives. God's looking at each and every one of you uh, with a desire to see you hit your full potential. Not your full potential for you to, to reach the goals that you want, but your full potential to, to reach the plans that he's got for you. That, that these tests and trials, these, these pressure-filled moments, the crucible and the furnace that we find ourselves in are ultimately allowed by him to refine us so that we can com- be complete and not lacking anything, that we can be mature, that we can be stable, so that we can do all that he wants us to do. We want that, right? That's a pr- is that a prayer of yours? God, please, please make me into what you want me to be so that I can do what you want me to do. Is, is that how Aaron finishes his sermon on Sundays? Isn't that part of the prayer? Make, that, that's what we want. But we don't like the answer because the answer is painful. The answer is painful. There's... There's, there's no comfy there. That, that comfy is not what God the Father wants for our lives. He wants maturity, full potential, and completeness. When it comes to my, my kids, my goal is not to make my kids happy. I like that they're happy, but my goal is not to make them happy. I want them to be mature, complete adults. 
And, and to, live, to, to get there, there's got to be some pain in their lives. That if, that if I allow my kids to eat whatever they want, to watch whatever they want, to play whatever they want, to do whatever they want, when my boy turns 19, he's going to be in my basement. <laughs> when he turns 30, he'll probably still be in my basement. <laughs> I don't want that. I don't want that. And ultimately, I know that he doesn't either. But for him to not be there, I've got to give him opportunities to hurt. That doesn't mean I'm going to spank him every other day, say, it's good for you, it's going to make you mature. But, but I want him, I want him to, to, to suffer through life in ways that are going to grow him up, in ways that are going to, to get him to a place where he can set aside the childish things and go for the real things. That's, that's what God desires for us as well, that, that he wants us to be on this path of spiritual, spiritual maturity. He wants us to grow up in discipline, and, and, and with that comes pain. That if we haven't walked through these pressure-filled, painful moments in life, we won't reach the destiny that he's got for us. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. That, that if we want to get to where God wants us to be, it's going to cost us something. It's not free. Romans 5, 3, and 4 say, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. This is the process. Yay, suffering. <laughs> so on the front end, it just sounds silly. But if you're living a life with no suffering right now, if everything is hunky-dory and super comfy and you got everything that you want, you're probably really not where you want to be. You're probably not where you, where you want to be. If we take, if we take scenarios, we'll, we'll, take, we'll take a slightly extreme scenario. So we send people down on mission trips and and our first mission trip was to El Salvador here, right? El Salvador was kind of comfy. Well, sort of comfy. El Salvador wasn't really comfy. You had beds. We've been in places where all you had was a mattress on a, on a, on a floor. You're on a mattress on a floor, on a concrete floor, in a building with open windows and spiders this big and cows and pigs right outside your door and... And, and people with really hard lives walking around. It's raining for hours and hours and hours, and you really got nothing else clean or, or dry to put on, and, and, and you're up for 18 of the 24 hours and, and busting your butt. And I've never been around a happier group of people. That in that, in that period of suffering, they were growing. They were growing. I've, I've got closer relationships with people I've only met like five times, six days out of the year because of the suffering that we did together. That how, how we could persevere through freaky animals and things that were sort of like a toilet. <laughs> that through that suffering, we had perseverance. And in that perseverance, our characters were grown. And with a view of God's hand at work through that garbage, there was hope. 
there was hope. That is the process that he uses in our lives. That's not just set aside for a week-long mission trip. That's, that's, that's life. That there's got to be something painful going on for us to be growing. That, that no pain, no gain, right? So anybody paying attention to, to Kyle Smith on Facebook and seeing all this stuff that she's been doing the last, well, it's been a year and a half now, right? But, but this last week, she got her, she got her pro card yesterday at, at the bodybuilding competition in Pittsburgh. Um, if you were to look at Kyle and talk to her about the path that she's been on, you wouldn't say, wow, she's had it really easy. She said, she's had extreme, extreme pressure and pain. So, so if, you've, if you've talked to her and asked her how she liked her tilapia for the 25th time in the last four days or, or, or how she had, you know, got to go to the gym today after going to the gym earlier today and gets to go to it two or three times tomorrow and, and then this week she gets to paint herself up like an Oompa Loompa. That, that that pain-filled, pressure-filled life has got her to a place where, where she performed well, really well. That, that we've got those opportunities as, as well. So, so if, you, if you look at the people around you and you, you, look at, you look at parents that have the really good kids, and you might be thinking to yourself, well, I'll bet they just got really lucky. They, they just got really good kids or... Or you look at somebody's marriage and it's like, well, you know, they just got really lucky. They don't, they don't, like, to, they don't like to argue. They're, they just lucked out with who they got. Or, or financially, you know, they're, they're probably really lucky. I, I, you know, they, they probably got their money from their parents. That it was all just, it was all just given. That in, Instead of asking the questions of, why, I wonder why they got it so easy, maybe they need to ask uh, different questions. That, that, the, that the questions are, you know, I wonder what price they paid. I wonder what pain they went through, what sacrifices they made, what, what hard conversations did they have to have? What discipline is in their lives that might not be in mine? Yeah, I have conversations with my kids about, about two types of pain, and there's the, the pain of discipline and the pain of regret, that you're gonna have one of them. That, that the pain of discipline is an upfront pain. It's a, it's a suffering that, that happens by choice up front so that you can be in a better place. You can have that or you can have the pain of regret where you got a really easy and comfy on the front end and then when it comes time to actually perform or have the results, you ain't got them. And there's a different pain on the back end, right? I'm going to assume that we're all familiar with the pain of regret. The pain of regret is way harder to get through than the pain of discipline. There's a reward for the pain of discipline. The pain of regret is just misery. Well, we should desire that pain up front. No pain, no gain. We can't have the destiny that God has called us to for free from a path of comfort, from a path of ease, that, that there's something on the front end that it's going to cost us. Now, some of you might be in the darkest moments in your lives that you're, that you're ready to give up, that you're thinking, God has forsaken me. There's no purpose in this pain. I don't understand why I'm having it. God, please just take it away. Please just relieve me of this pain. Are, are we familiar with that prayer? Just, just, just free me of this pain. We pray the prayer. But, but understand that there is, there is purpose in your pain. God always has his hand on your life. And there's going to come a moment in your life when you're going to look back at the, the hell that you've walked through 
and be able to say, even though I went through that, I would not be the person I was today if it weren't for that. That if I had not gone through that pressure of the past, I would not be the person that I am now. That beautiful things in life come from the aftermath of darkness and pain. I've had those conversations in my head and with other people, and, and, and often included in there is, I, I, is, the, is the statement that I probably could have gotten to this, this pain-free place a whole lot quicker. That would have been nice. Lest I, I just make poor choices, and it takes a little bit longer. But God's not finished with you yet, no matter where you are in the pain. Twelve years ago, um, I helped plant a church here in, in Blacklick. And then... Six years ago, I closed that church. As the lead pastor, I got to close that church. And for a significant chunk of time afterwards, um, we were in a, what we call our dark place. That having planted a church and then closed that church, uh, there, was a lot of, there was a lot of pain involved with that. And I've had conversations with both pastors that have never closed a church and pastors that have closed a church. And the pastors that have closed a church totally understand, and they use the same words. They can explain it the same way. Pastors that have never closed a church, they admit up front, have no clue what you went through. But in, in that period of darkness and pain, you know, we were removed from community. We started showing up, going to a church, but it was to stay in the back and hide. We didn't want to connect with anybody. It was just kind of like a duty type thing. And as we are running through the hoops, in my head and in my prayers was, what are you doing what are you doing, God? I just don't understand this. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Long story short, interactions with people here at Simple Church helped walk me out of that, out of that dark period. And then I got to start seeing what that dark period was for and, and what the period before that dark period was for. Planting a church is no cakewalk. It's, it's, uh, it's a lot of pain and misery in the first place. Closing one's even worse. But on the other side of it, I started to connect with pastors that had closed churches and didn't know any other pastors that had closed churches. And connecting with congregation members of churches that have closed. And, it, and, and I can clearly see now that, that if I had not gone through that, there's no way I would have been of any help to these people. In the midst of it, I was responding poorly, and I was angry, and I didn't, see, I didn't see any way out or any purpose to it. But on the back end, from, from that darkness came way more relief and hope and opportunity to be a blessing to others, that, that this might be where you are in your pain. Or you might have pain in the past that, that is, is an opportunity for you to connect and serve and love those around you that are going through the same crap as you did. There's, there's purpose there. He's not finished with you yet. He's, he's, got, he's got a plan for your life. And the darkness will play a role. We all walk through these trials, these tests of our lives and, and, and tests of character and tests of faith Help us to understand better what God is doing in us because he has something he wants to do through us. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So the, these first five verses, we're, we're hearing about 
the joy of suffering and, and, and that we're supposed to have perseverance and, and, and just the challenge that comes, comes with all that. And then this verse kind of shifts. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it'll be given to you. These trials are tests and these tests need to be passed. To pass a test, you need wisdom, right? My kid, for my kid to, to pass his math test, you know, he, he kind of struggled with math this, 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 uh, this semester. He didn't have the wisdom. So he reached out to Daniel Gross. Daniel Gross is a math whiz. He's got the wisdom. Daniel Gross imparted the wisdom on, on Aiden, and Aiden's doing almost great in math. He's doing really good in math, all things considered. And, and so, so Aiden went to the one with wisdom. When it comes to our life, when it comes to the trials and, and, and tests that we've got going on, when it comes to the, these pain-filled, pressure-filled scenarios, who is it that we go to? Who is it that we should go to? It should be God. God's got the wisdom. It's, it's not even like the, the top-notch wisdom. It is the wisdom. That, that there's, there's nobody else and nothing else that can compare. He's got it. You're struggling. He's got the answer. You're, you're hurting. He's, he's got the solution. That, that ultimately, these tests should drive you to God. James says that, that when you're in this trial, that's who you go to. These tests should drive you to God. They should call, that you should call out to him, that you should pray to him. And chances are, you're already doing it. How many of you here in your pain and turmoil don't pray to God? No hands. That's a beautiful thing. Are you praying the right thing? Are you praying the right thing? In, in the midst of this trial, in the midst of this pressure, is your prayer, God, rescue me from this? Is your prayer, take me out of this problem? Is your prayer, take this, this pain away and make my life better? You know, you, you're, you might have re- reoccurring patterns in your life that there's, there's something that like every couple of years just comes back and rears its ugly head in your life. Or, or maybe it's like every month that this, this thing comes up, this, this painful thing, this thing that you know you shouldn't be doing. Or, or maybe it's every day as you drive by Rush's Donuts and just want their apple fritters. That, that there's, there's probably patterns in your life that, that you're asking for God just to relieve you of the situation and the question might be wrong. That you got the same problem again and again and it just seems that God's forsaken you. But instead of asking God to rescue you, maybe you should ask God to teach you. James says that if, that if you're in the middle of the trial, you should pray not for rescue, but for wisdom. Not, not for salvation from the situation, but for how to respond in the situation. That there's a lesson that, that, that God might be trying to teach you that you haven't learned. If anyone lacks wisdom, you should ask for it. If anyone of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Listen, this verse is hope-filled. This, this one is, was, is packed with hope. If the, if the first section of verses seem kind of depressing that you're going to be suffering and under pressure, fine, join it. Here's the hope. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives. This is not a one-time thing. This is, this is, not, a, this is not a past tense who you should ask the God who gave. This is the God who gives. 
that it's not a one and done, that it's not like a, so that you're, you're playing who wants to be a millionaire and God is your call a friend. You used it once and now you're, you're, you're done. Now it's just 50-50 and whatever the other two stupid ones are. <laughs> but, he, but he gives that, it, that, it's a, that it's a constant. And not only does he give, but he gives generously. So, it, so this wisdom that, that he gives you is not just like, oh, well, here's a little bit. He's going to give you a lot. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna give you a lot. He's going to lavish it upon you. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all. He, he's, he'll give it to all of you. All of his children. You have, all you have to do is ask, and he'll give it to you. And, and what's cool about it, it's not just like cookie-cutter advice, that, that, that the wisdom that he's going to give Shanda is different than the wisdom he's going to give Caleb because your situations are different. He's going to give it to you because he knows what you need. He's going to give it to you because he knows what you need. And then he's going to give it to you. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Without finding fault. God wants to give good gifts. And he's not going to look at you and go, you know, because you were such a loser the other day, I'm going to hold back on this one. Or, or didn't you just ask me that like four or five times and I've already given you the answer. I'm not going to give you the answer anymore. He continues to give. With all, of, with all of our issues aside, he ignores them and will continue to give. He doesn't find fault. In the midst of these trials and storms, what, what, what lesson are you teaching me, God? What are you telling me to do? That, that if that's your prayer, instead of rescue me, but what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to respond? What, what are you teaching me? Then then there's, there's a key here. When you pray, you should be ready to respond. James 1, 6-7, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. When you, ask him, when you ask him for wisdom, be prepared to obey. Be prepared to obey. That, that the trust in his wisdom produces actions. That, that you better be ready to trust God with whatever he tells you to do and then do it. So, so we'll, we'll call that, we call that I will statements. So, so if, you've, if you don't know how to read your Bible, if you don't read your Bible often, if you're looking at scripture and you're reading a verse, here's, here's a question to ask. What should I do about it? Is there something in this scripture that's telling me this is how I'm supposed to respond? And if there's something, if, if, it's, if it's telling you to respond, you respond with, you write, even write it down, I will, and write out how you're gonna be obedient. I will respond this way. Because that, that's what he's asking us to do. That, that for our lives to change, for our lives to be transformed, that, that we can't just sit back and comfy, and we can't just sit back and whine. That we actually have to stand up and, and be obedient. And being obedient means that we have to do something. And he'll give you the wisdom to understand what it is that you want to do. Not what you want to do, what he wants you to do. Don't get to the place that you pray for wisdom and God tells you what to do and then you oppose him. Opposition's not a good place what to be when it comes to God. Opposition is not a good place. But know that responding to these tests 
in obedience will grow your faith, that these tests will grow your faith. Our faith grows because we have the opportunity to put his wisdom into action. His wisdom. If we trust in his word and we trust in his wisdom and we put that into action, we'll do well. We'll do well. Whose wisdom is better than his? Facebook's? Google's? Wiki's? The person sitting next to you? It's, it's his. But we can take all those, other, all those other influences and they can misdirect us away from what God's got for us. James 1, 6 and 7. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is a double-minded and unstable in all they do. In my Bible at home, I've got written on the side here, please don't let me be that man. Please don't let me be that man. I don't want to be floating around out there, not having a clue what's going on, and just making decisions willy-nilly. And if I look at these verses and I take them seriously, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord how many of our unanswered prayers have been ignored because of opposition to previous answers to prayer? That, that maybe he's holding on to the next thing because you haven't responded right to the first thing. That in your walk, in the, in the pain and trial that you're dealing with, he may have already answered your prayer. He may have already told you specifically what you're supposed to do. And you're like, eh, I don't like that one. I'm going to go this direction. But how about this problem? Can you take care of this problem now? And his response is, well, let's go back to this last one. Is there, is there something in your life where, where you understand that you were supposed to respond differently? And you're just actively choosing not to. Is there, is there a place that You've set aside obedience for or comfort or a desire for the lack of the pain that comes from discipline. Are you that person that, that doubts what he says is true and right and good just to be bouncing around on a sea going left and right wherever the wind blows? Who wants to be that person? I don't want to be that person. I know you don't want to be that person. But if it seems like God is silent to you right now, is it possible that he's already given you something that you haven't responded to yet? And is that something you need to revisit? Because listen, when, when we do, when we respond to his wisdom, when, when we take what he has to say and challenge us for where we want to go, when we put our trust and faith in him and the res, in that response, there is a response. James 1.12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love them. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Who wants to be that person? Nobody? I want to be that person. I totally want to be that person. To be that person, I need to persevere. I need to respond. 
I need to stand and take the test well in his wisdom, in his guidance. And when you put those verses together and, and, and you look back at the early verses, it's like, find joy in all your suffering. What's well, not the suffering that I technically find the joy in. It's the back end. It's the opportunity to persevere. It's the opportunity to, to have endurance. It's, it's the opportunity to be steadfast. And I, can have, and I can have that reward. The pain of discipline or the pain of regret. As much as I dis, despise pain, I want the pain of discipline because of the reward that comes with it. But that means I've got to be listening to the wisdom of God. If the band wants to come back up, we'll get ready to wrap this up. Are, are you listening to God? Are you listening to what he has to say? Are you asking the right questions, looking for the right answers? His answers, not yours. Are you, are you, are you connecting with him and, and the body in a way that, that you have the opportunity for, for encouragement, support, and, and the path of, of obedience? Is that relationship with God in your life? And, and that's a question to, to believers and non-believers because as believers, I can still be that dude floating on the ocean. Just because I'm a believer doesn't mean that I'm always obedient. In fact, the challenge is even more challenging there as a believer to be obedient because I should know better. Are you connected with a community to have that relationship with God and to find the, the people that can support you in that direction. If you want to close your eyes and bow your head, we're going to work through a couple prayers. If, if you're sitting here today and suffering, if there is pain and pressure in your life and, and you don't know what your next step is. Your next step is, is a prayer. Your next step is a prayer. James told us what to do. James told us exactly what to do. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all with finding fault. That's a prayer. That's a conversation. That's a request to, to God the Father, the one who loves you and wants you to grow up and be mature. If that's you, let's take this moment to pray right now. Father, Father, I, I thank you. I thank you for, for the letter from James. I thank you for the, the word and inspiration and encouragement that comes from from the words that, that you had him share. I, I struggle with saying thank you for the trials that I'm going through, but, but Father, I, I pray for your wisdom, and I, and I thank you in, in advance for that. I thank you for, for watching me, for taking care of me, for guiding me, and, and I pray that you give me a desire and a will to be obedient to you that you can, you can take this pain in my life and make it something, something beautiful. 
that you can take this, this pain in my life and make it a testimony to your faithfulness to others. Show me how it is that I should walk. Show me what I'm supposed to do if I'm supposed to say something to someone or, or serve someone. What, what am I supposed to do, Father? Point me in the direction and give me the strength to follow through. And Father, once I've done that, I pray that you, you open my eyes to the next painful moment because I know it's coming. Take away the desire for me to become B and replace it with a desire to find joy in the suffering. Thank you, Father. And with your heads bowed and eyes still closed, you know, you might be sitting here thinking, you know what? I don't even have a relationship with this God. I've heard about Jesus, but but I ha- but I haven't confessed him as Lord. I'm just kind of bouncing around on the ocean, not having a clue which way is which. But I hear, I hear somebody, something whispering in my ear and my spirit that, that I'm supposed to respond to him. If that's you, I'm going to give you the opportunity to, to confess a prayer and to, and to start a new path, to walk a new life to understand what it is that that comes with the call of Christ. Father, I'll call you Father now. I confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I don't know what that fully means, but but I know that it that it means something that that I need to have my my eyes, my heart, my spirit focused on him. I pray from from this moment on that that you show me the path that I'm supposed to walk. That you teach me how to be more and more like him, not for my comfort or for my glory, but for yours, Father. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If that was you, welcome to the family. And if it was you, I would encourage you to, on the back of your Connect card, fill out a Connect card and let us know that it's you. If if today was the day that you decided to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior, let us know. Let us celebrate with you. And if you need any prayer, somebody to pray with you on on your first step about getting off of that that rocky ocean and pointing in the right direction, listening for wisdom, I'm going to have people up here ready to pray for you that will hold you in your arms and, and, and lift you up in prayer. As we get ready to call the ushers up to take our offering, know that if you're a first, if you're a guest, that don't, please don't feel compelled to put anything in the offering bucket except for that Connect card. Um, come on up, guys. I'm going to say us a prayer. We're going to worship one more song. These guys rock today. And, uh, and then I pray that you have a good week in obedience. So, Father, uh, I, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the gathering. Of, of the Simple Church family. I lift up this offering to you first. I pray that that uh, you just continue to, to point us in the direction that we should go when it comes to finances. I thank you for the opportunities that you've given this congregation to, to serve and support uh, so many ministries, both inside and outside of Simple Church. And, and Father, I lift up Pastor Aaron. He is not a happy camper this morning, and I pray that that uh, the pain that he's going through now leads to something good, at least a, a, a good story on the back end. But, but I pray for, 
for healing and comfort for him. Um, and, and Father, I lift up this congregation to you that as we walk out of here, we don't, we don't forget the words that James said, that, that, uh, that our prayer life has changed, that we listen to you and look for ways to be obedient for, for your blessing, Father. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have a great week, Simple Church.